mic, camera, action. Do you want to know what pain is? What? I'll tell you what pain is, you fuck. Why are you calling me a fuck? Because, my friend, you fuck, you bought me here, and I didn't particularly want to go here, but now I am. So if you don't want to go where I'm about to go, then you better tell me right now, and I'll walk out the fucking door, I'll phone my therapist, and that'll be it, okay? End of story. No, fuck that, I want to hear this. You're not going anywhere. Want to know what it is? Yes, I want to know what it is. Let me go over this. Motherfucker, you want to know what it is? Yes! Pain, my friend, is when the woman you love wants to fuck you four or five times a night, and you can't. Why? 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 I'll tell you why. Because I'm an impotent man, motherfucker! That's pain! That's fucking pain! When your wife wants to fuck you four times a night, and you fucking can't! You know that some fucker before you could, and you know that some fucker after you will! Well, I could cope with that, could I? That sense of ruination! That insolvency that burns in your soul! I couldn't fuck my wife! Do you know what that fucking means, mate? Do you understand? What a rage really is! I'm sorry. You have no fucking idea, mate! I'm sorry. Oh, you're sorry? Oh, you're sorry, are you? You dare. You dare. You fucking dare ask me if there's a god. Well, man, I'll feel forsaken! I feel cheated, you cunt! I'm lost in the big game! And nothing else fucking matters! It doesn't matter what you do. If you can't hack it in the sack, mate, if you can't hack it in the game of love and sex, you are shit, my friend. Because you can't do what the other man can do to your fucking wife, mate! Welcome back to Filmography, the show dedicated to watching every credited film from an actor's complete back catalogue from past debut through to present day in chronological order. Each episode, I'm joined by an esteemed guest to watch and discuss the next entry from the Focus Filmography and consider how it ranks amidst their career and whether we can trace any typecasting trends or topic traits or theatrical ticks. For episode 12, I'm joined once again by my big brother from another mother to discuss the 12th big screen appearance of the state and his on-screen reunion with Chris Evans and Jessica Biel, just one year on from Cellular in London. Rewatch, you listen, and hopefully watch along too. So before we get into the film, I think what I have to do is uh, thank you, Tony, for uh, totally <laughs> taking one for the team. Falling on the sword, yeah. as uh, Dave has already done. You're returning now for this third episode. This was kind of impromptu. This wasn't Right, because my third one was going to be... Um, uh, Death Race, which I'm still You're still, on. of course, that's hatched. Oh, yeah. I fucking love Death Race. So um this one, not so much. Yeah, I couldn't get anybody to uh to take this one. So <laughs> the good guy that you are I heard you and Rhea talk about it, and she I believe said I was lovely for agreeing to do this. I mean, as you now ha- now know having seen the film, you are more than lovely. <laughs> bad. Oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. And um 
the lovely Glyn is watching along. And uh, he messaged me on Twitter the other day to say, oh, I should have listened to you and not bothered watching this film, which, you know, yet more confirmation. If we've got time later, I might just jump into my Twitter profile and read our, a couple of the back and forth between me and Glenn. That would be hysterical. Yes. I would love to hear what Glenn has to say. He, he's got some big ones coming up. He has. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be uh, really great because we've been chatting quite a bit because of his lovely support for the show. So it's nice to get him on and he's a big action movie aficionado. Oh, yeah. So. And he likes junk too. So you'd think this one would be right up his alley, but it's not an action movie. It's just junk. There's junk and there's junk, right? Because yeah, yeah. I like junk too. I know you do as well. I, for and sure. Our friend Dan, he likes watching a lot of junk, but I think probably he'd even call this one worse than junk. It's pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> I, all I, can, I just keep coming back to as we'll discuss, I can't believe this got made. Yeah, it's interesting. Two filmmakers spring to mind for me to do, to do, uh, you know, like this film kind of echoes or, or, or wants to be like. One of them, I think, will be a comparison that will make you quite upset. The before movies? Yeah, I mean, he yeah, wants to course. be Richard Linklater, doesn't he? 100%. Yeah, I mean, I saw it when I'm watching it. I'm like, oh, you've missed the point of those films. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, is it Hunter Richards? I think is the um, right. Yeah, and he only has three credits. Yeah, um, and a one he's a ghostwriter. I think. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a um, he's a script doctor mostly. Mm-hmm. But you know, so that's a job. That's a real job. Carrie Fisher. Absolutely. Is, yeah, yeah. It has been it has been known that Carrie Fisher wrote a lot of movies that you didn't mm. know Carrie Fisher wrote. Sure, sure. <laughs> so, and obviously, he so. who we don't be named before. Speed. Yeah, yeah, and Toy Story. He's credited as Toy Story. That's true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's his that's his credit. But the uh, but speed. Yeah, the, yeah. What and do Tar- you do? Tarantino that's as well, it. actually. Before he blew up, he did some script doctoring. Like Crimson, yeah, and Crimson I get Tide it. And yeah, if you're good with dialogue, I mean, I get it. You need a dialogue writer. I mean, I mean, it's been widely known that every word that came out of Carrie Fisher's mouth in all of the Star Wars movies, she wrote herself. Right. Because she's like, uh, uh-uh. uh. <laughs> these are, these are, I'm, I am not going to say that. <laughs> Here's what I will say instead. Um, yeah, so I'm sure she wrote a lot of Harrison Ford's lines because I know he struggled with the script mm. as well. Yeah, I'm so, sure that's true. Yeah, but anyway, this this we, we know clearly, they were close on set, right? Yes, right. <laughs> we um, I see that this is a love letter to Linklater, and and it mm. fails. It's a it's a. a not everybody can do what Linklater does. And no. Hunter Richards can't. I mean, arguably, nobody can do what Linklater nobody does. Nobody can. Actually. Right. Exactly. I mean, I don't think I'm as big a fan as you are, but I am a big fan. Yeah. And my partner is also a really big fan, particularly the before movies, but of Linklater in general. She's not such a big fan of his dudes hangout movies, such as Dazed and Confused. And, and everybody wants them. Everybody wants them. Thank you. Their name was I didn't. I couldn't get through Everybody Wants Them. I was like, what? Oh, shame. I think he should have made it. Wait, I fell asleep. I've never fallen oh, wow. asleep. In a... And I don't fall asleep in the before movies. Like I'm at the edge of my seat, just walking around talking. That movie, I don't know. It just it lulled in the middle. And I don't know. I And I felt, I felt that even Richard was like, I probably should have made this right after. Because it's supposed to be mm-hmm. the sequel to Everybody mm-hmm. Wants Some, or to, um, to Days of Excuse. Mm-hmm. And it should have, he should have probably made it the next year. 
but instead, you know, he made other things that were happy he made. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But even like even his um, like Fast Food Nation, mm-hmm. even a movie that's like that, the dialogue still just crackles. And mm-hmm. he's still that's a real, you know, that's a based on a true story. A, that's based on a nonfiction book. And he still finds a way in. And I just don't find my way into any of these characters. And these are actors in this movie who can do good dialogue. You've even mm. got a stand-up comic in here who we accidentally talked about that one episode. Yeah. I mean, you've got – they're all trying, too. That's the thing. I have to say, like, most people in this are pretty decent. Even, like, you know, Jessica Biel is in a really thankless role, a horrible role. Ugh. But but she, you can tell she's trying. She's bringing her A game. Evans and Statham are the main stars, obviously, and they're bringing their A game. They're both really trying, and I think Joe, Statham... Joy Bryant is very good. Yeah, she is. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I think they're... everybody's trying. Even like the small bit parts. Is it Kelly Garner? <laughs> I think who plays the the teenager. The teenager, like she's yeah. really good in her scene. And Isla, Isla's Isla really Fisher good. is great. He's yeah, like absolutely. crank it up to angry eleven. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's just like it should work. But it's what they're being asked to say, unfortunately. Oh, That's it's so bad. I and wonder. That, that... Now, go on, go on. No, I just wonder. Again, I'm just fascinated. I don't know how much research. I'm just fascinating to know how it happened. Yeah, well, I don't. So, I mean, obviously, the three you know, Bill, Statham, and Evans have been together the year before. I assume yeah. they had a great time making cellular. Sure. And this obviously came up, maybe one called the other, or that it seems like a confluence of events that they're all in it together. I know Evans and Bill were maybe in a relationship at this point or around here, they were together, weren't they? So maybe they wanted to act together, but somebody got on with safe because suddenly they're all together so actually they want to have a good time and they probably did have a laugh making this but it just and doesn't translate at, at yeah it, it doesn't translate and i wonder too you know how that the things get lost in the editing suite too mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and 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 this could easily have been because it's written and directed by him but i didn't look to see who the editor was i'm assuming he didn't cut it and i mm. think I think that matters a lot. Um, it, oh yeah, I mean, Ed is a is a un, unsung hero of a job. I mean, I'm not sure it would have saved this, if I'm honest. But no, but sometimes the editor gets asked to do stuff that um, that the producer wants done, and so it can sometimes the producer can take over the editor's job. And again, yeah, yeah sure. it's not like it's poorly edited. It's not like the cuts are bad because we slip in and out of time. So the editor did a fine job with that. Mm. Um I think it's just I, I don't know. Is there it feels like there's maybe a fourth act we're missing. I don't understand it. I mean I think it's something that I comment on a bit, obviously being a film studies teacher and having to watch student films. I mean yeah. that's that's what this is. This is a student film with a budget. Ugh. And there's a really good um, letterbox review I've got that I'll. Oh, good! I can't I'll wait. I'll read that later. Which those, is, I was which excited. Is I know that. you end with those. I can't <laughs> wait. I'm like, all right. It, it talks about that kind of idea, so I won't encroach upon on that review too much. And I'm trying, you know, I do read them before, obviously, because I've got to find them. But I try not to let them completely color what I'm going to say. I think the large problem with this is that he wants to be Richard Linklater, but he's watched a lot of Kevin Smith. Now, I really like Kevin Smith, a lot of his work, and I know you're a fan too. A lot of his work I am, but I'm hearing you. I'm hearing that. Yeah, yeah. But the two aren't the same, and the two do not go together. No. And I think this film is almost an attempt to mold and meld those two worlds. But I think Kevin would even say, I'm not Richard Linklater. Oh, agreed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He knows he can't. I mean, because... 
and part of the reason why the the, the Randall's dialogues work mm-hmm. in the Clerks movies is because um, he's not a really good actor. Sure. And he knows it, right? And so it sounds like when you hear Randall talk, and that was, he wrote that for himself, Kevin mm-hmm. Smith did originally. But when you hear it, that actor has cl- clearly made it his own. And so when you hear, what's his name, Jason O'Halloran? Yeah, no, that, that's, that, that, that's, no, that's Dante. Dante, isn't it? Yeah. Doesn't matter. Well, sorry, sir. We know who you are. When we see you, we're like, you're <laughs> I mean, Randall. you are Randall, basically. Yeah. I'm a... Right. But we see him and, and the way that it is and that nasally, you know, just the, the way that he, da, 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 da. And you can tell the way that he um, does the lines. You can tell, like, Randall, not the mm. actor, but Randall has thought about this a long time mm-hmm, before mm-hmm. he said it. It's not off the cuff. Where the reason that Linklater works is because it is off the cuff. It's just them walking and talking. And what yeah. the punchline is, is, especially with the trilogy, they wrote those together and they rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed so that it seems natural and they're all friends. So it makes Mm. it easy to be like, okay, they just slip back into Jesse and Celine and, you know, they're great friends. Now you got to go fight. And so they're, that's the talent of them as actors, but that, that doesn't feel rehearsed because Delphi and Hawk are excellent actors with the guy playing Randall. He's playing a guy who's, who's like in almost an incel. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, that Randall sat home all day thinking of clever things to say to Dante and his whole life is trying to get Dante to laugh Mm -hmm. by saying the most outrageous or make Dante mad by saying the most outrageous things. So his his delivery is done in a way that feels deliberately rehearsed. Do you know what I mean? Like, I do. Yeah. So it works where this you've got these really good actors Mm -hmm. giving it their all being actors reading lines that seem deliberately rehearsed yeah and so it does not work so i like what exactly mm. what you're saying the mashup of the two but now that i'm just talking my way through it because that was not rehearsed that was just no. i heard what you said <laughs> I'm like oh my god this is it this is it well done sir you nailed it and i think it's 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 the overwroughtness of the dialogue isn't it i i they probably did rehearse i i think it has that stagey play feel doesn't it with just a couple of rooms couple of locations but I imagine this guy wrote this as a spec script, maybe for a, a film degree course. And then for years and years and years, and years. I don't know this. This is pure, having lived kind of through part of this life, but never obviously broke through. So now I yeah, critique yeah. other people's work because that's what, right? <laughs> that's what failed writers in <laughs> film do, do, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it feels like somebody who's written this, maybe it was a dissertation, and then they've written it and written it and written it and written it. It's got so overwrought. It's, this is not how people talk. It's, and again, you know, I'm a big Tarantino fan. That isn't how people talk, but it is within his movie universe he's created. Mm-hmm. Those films all have a pattern to them and they all fit together. This they're, is just... They're written with... Ver- they're almost like verse. Yeah, nice. I like that. Whereas this is just... I mean, as you said, we've got the, the teenage character played by Kelly Garner who has like one strong scene and she's talking about philosophy and, and God and religion and... It's just not how a teenager at that age on Coke would talk. No. While she's getting, while, and a teenager on Coke hanging around with adults yeah. who all want to bang her. That whole scene is just gross. What's happening? Uh, I mean, yeah, that's one of the things that we're actually and I were talking about that particular scene and the, <laughs> the, the state's character called Bateman, which I want to talk about in a bit. I, I have thoughts on that. Yeah, me too. But they're probably the same. Yeah. The state character being like, well, now I know she's 16. Now I want to bang her yeah. a bit more. 
no, that's not good. That's not good at all. And he had to say that line. Yeah. He didn't say, listen, Hunter, no. I don't know if you know what I look like, but I was born looking like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was born looking 40 and I will look 40 until I'm 90. So no. Yeah. Not this is not that movie. But I think he is meant to be playing his age, isn't he? Because there is a reference in the movie. Yeah. There being the age difference because Sid, uh, Chris Evans' character is meant to be early 20s. I think as yeah, yeah. as he is, he's meant to be sort of 15 years older, isn't he? Yeah. He's mm-hmm. just a random guy that he's met in the. Just to apologize know. to Jeff Anderson. That's his name. Jeff, Jeff Anderson. Randall. Yep. I looked it up too. Oh, yeah, good. And Brian yeah, yeah. O'Halloran, not Jason O'Halloran. Brian, yeah. Sorry, Jason Muse. We, we Listen, all I know is that Clerks 3, when I saw the trailer for Clerks 3, I cried. So and like I say, in three weeks' time, whatever it is, yeah, I, we'll all be talking about their names. And Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, did you see Sarah's in Clerks 3? I didn't, know. Awesome. I know. I don't care who she is. It doesn't matter. I mean, nobody needs to be in it. We're going to see it no matter what. Absolutely, yeah. But um, just so that the editor of mm. this film, I was just curious because I, I and again, she's called Tracy Wadmore-Smith. She mm-hmm. is no joke. Um, uh, she did, you know, before this, she did Sweet Home Alabama and Hitch. So those are like big hits. It's not like yeah, those yeah. are great, great films, but those are big hits. Yeah, yeah. And she did this. And then she did some indie movies. It looks like she did The Brother Solomon, which is awful. But then she did Fool's Gold, Fired Up, Death at a Funeral, the American version. How do you know? Cool as I am. About last night, Wild Oats, Edge of 17. And then she did the Stargirl show. Like, mm. He's got shit going on. Like those are, she's an editor. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not blaming her. For no. This. I, at first I was like trying to be like, who is this? Again, it's a student film. She's doing a student film. Nope, nope. <laughs> she's. I think, so, uh, yeah, I think in this instance, I'm afraid all, all the blame is laid at the feet of one person really. And, and it feels like a writer director's movie where like, I've got mm. loads of things to say. And this is what I'm going to say through my words. And I'm going to say it through these people. And I'm going to, minimalist direction because the words are what's important it feels like that kind of movie unfortunately the words that are being said are misogynistic and vile and not not quite homophobic i wouldn't say but on the edge though yeah exactly certainly not open-minded about other people no but then but then it tries to have it both way with uh bateman's um yes yeah uh you know, where he goes to the dominatrix and stuff. So it's trying, and he's yeah. like, don't judge. And you're trying to have it both ways. And I just have to say, have, we we can spoil, obviously, because nobody's oh, yeah, going to yeah. watch this. No, um, nobody watched this. Just listen to us say, don't watch it. Just don't watch it. That should be the warning at the beginning. Okay, <laughs> just listen and don't watch. This, yeah. is, this is one that you need to direct it yourself, because this is one you would watch if Spider-Dan covered and then you'd be like oh shit yes what did i do what did i do to myself um the the thing okay so i wrote a story this is years ago and again talking about thinking you have something big to say so i wrote Mm -hmm. a story when i was in college and it's called reality and what i did was i told a story about a guy who's sitting at a fast food restaurant in eugene oregon and he's miserable and he's awful and he doesn't want to deal with his own bullshit so what he does is he makes up stories about the people who come in Mm -hmm to avoid thinking of his own life. So there's these people walk in and he sees them. And so we cut to a whole story about these people that seems real and it's written and it's about them. And here's their thing. They have middle names and kids names, this whole thing. And then the story ends and we come back to the main guy who's sitting in the Oregon 
the Eugene Oregon McDonald's. And we do this a few times until he finally tells his own story. So none of those stories are real, mm -hmm. but they seem real because they're real to him. And then he gets to the end and you discover what his whole thing is. And then he runs back. He, he realizes like he can't live in this fantasy land. He has to go home. It's a good, personally, I think it was a really good idea, but the end, I couldn't get out of it. Like I couldn't figure out what sent him there. So the thing I did is the thing that like a young, I was 20 at the time. <laughs> it's all like your heart is broken. So it had him be like his heart is broken. Now, if I were to ever go back and rewrite that story, that isn't the reason. Mm -hmm. It needs to be it. And I'm not shitting on heartbreak, but what I'm saying is the things that upset them, the things that drive them into this cocaine and rage fueled evening mm. is bullshit. Yes. And so the entire movie is is based on something that's bullshit. And I can look back at that story and be like, there's some good moments in there. And I've never gone back and revisited it, but I know full mm -hmm. well that the payoff sucks. That's a bad story. It's good idea. Mm -hmm. And it's making the reader go what's real, what's not real. And if I were to redo it, I probably wouldn't give away the ending. I would never let you know what he did. Yeah. I would just be like, the clues would be, I'd cut his whole story completely and let his story be told through the perspective of these other three people. So you're like, oh, I wonder what he's about. That would be the way I'd fix that story mm -hmm. if I ever were to go back and fix it. And honestly, I never really, I didn't think about that story at all until I watched this movie and I was like, <laughs> this is the bad story that I wrote when I was 20. Yeah. But like you said, it's a bad movie with the budget. Like, I don't understand. If somebody would have given me a budget when I was 20 to make a movie and that's the movie I made, I'd be so disappointed in myself because that ending is stupid. And the, the entire thing, this is like toxic masculinity. Oh, man. Cranked up to a thousand. And I don't understand. Again, I don't understand. And I get what you're like, it's, it's of its time. It's not of its time. This wasn't done in 1956. No, <laughs> it's not. I was it's just so trying to work out if I could how old he is, but um, yeah, as you were saying that, because it, it, you're absolutely right. It has that feel of of some just being that age and being given this chance, and this is their big moment, and and this is the this is the thing. I mean, okay, so he's fifty. He's older than me. Yeah, so he when he made this what in two thousand and five. So he was in his thirties. Yeah. So maybe he wrote it though. Yeah. Again, how how long ago did he write it? Did he write it and mm. he hung on to it? And they were like, "Hey, maybe you should punch that up a little." And maybe you are mm. a script doctor. Maybe you should go in there and go like, "Hey, um, I've built this entire house on sand, and that's not going to work because yeah. it's just hard to get with." Sid is a monster. He's horrible. Yeah, yeah. And Bateman which we know we'll talk about when we talk about the state's performance. But even though his IMDb picture, though, I love, I don't know if you've, like when you go to this, he's like, yeah, he's still, you know, <laughs> staying it up in that picture. But he, um, they're terrible people. They are. I mean, Bateman's marginally less terrible, but only just. I mean, he has an awful line about um, Kelly Garner, teenager character. That is awful. But he's not, he, I guess maybe if we've got the flashbacks, he'd seem worse because it's, Sid is awful in present time, but we yes. see him gaslighting Jessica Bill's girlfriend character in London. the past. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, yeah, London, uh, the titular character, London. Yeah. But when you see him gaslighting her in the past, like it is really awesome. hard to watch. Uh -huh. and, you know, these terms didn't exist then. When, even when this film came out, toxic masculinity and gaslighting, right. not in the way that we use them. Right. right. Frequently yeah. use them now. 
but it's a hundred percent what's going on. It's terrible. So let's just cycle back a little bit because we're Sorry. saying, like, no, 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 no. I think yeah, yeah. no. Uh, this is what we knew was going to happen. <laughs> and as you said, we haven't really talked about it because we don't. We tried to come to everything fresh and yeah, learn from each other and hear which. Yeah, we didn't talk about it at all, other than like, oof, I believe yeah. is what I wrote. <laughs> oof, <laughs> this might be a short one today, is what I think we were saying. Yeah, but so people know what this film is about because they're not going to go and watch it. They shouldn't go and watch it. I think the poster tagline says a lot. I don't know if you saw it. No. So it says a film about love and her victims, which um, from a male perspective, we obviously know what he's trying to say here. That wow. Sid has been wronged by London, which as we know from watching it, it, he absolutely has not. 100%. That's the film in a nutshell, isn't it? Sid is in a funk because he's uh, broken up. London has broken up with him. She's got a new boyfriend. She's happy and she's going to move away with him. To Los Angeles. To Los yeah. Angeles from New York. It looks like it. Yeah. So from... Could be Chicago. It's sure. some other city. So she's moving away to, to LA. And then it's her going away party. He finds out about it whilst buying coke off the state, which is a random guy he's just met that night. And then he drags him to the party. And then the rest of it is mostly set in the swanky bathroom of this swanky apartment that is Isla Fisher's character's parents. Parents. Mm. And uh, yeah. They solve the world up in the bathroom whilst taking scarface levels of coke. <laughs> that is exactly it, isn't it? And mm. the punchline is is that there's a movie there mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. the the because I, like one of the movies I put on my Shakespeare episode with Spider Dan, the sisters, was a play first. Mm-hmm. And when you watch that movie, you're like, oh, you can see that it was a play. Like the whole thing is even set. It's in this faculty lounge, and they even build the staircase up to represent the old Shakespearean okay. theater. Nice. So, yeah. you know, there's a few outside scenes, but for the most part, even the entire film is in this confined space. Mm-hmm. House of O, Parker Posey's House of O, same thing. That used to be a play you can tell you're like oh so I, like what you're saying is this had that sense that this could have hmm. been a stage play and so because there are only three settings you could have made it a stage play and i think having the two guys getting coked up and solving all the problems of the world that is an interesting movie but the 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 basis of it the fact that it's love and all her i looked at you, you i didn't even think to look at that <laughs> love and all her victims and it's her victims yeah quite and the way that the poster is shot with Jessica Biel's face big, mm-hmm. big and up front, you know, so it's like she's looking up and to the left like she's posing in a 1970s family photo. But she's she's the villain of the she's meant yeah. to be the villain. And and so there is a story there about two heartbroken dudes getting drunk and talking. That would be interesting. I would mm-hmm. watch that as a two man play. Yeah, sure. It would be fascinating. Like the original. um uh, Steel Magnolias is a six-person play. There's nobody else in it. It's just the six of them. The whole thing takes place at Truvies. And so all the other characters only exist in conversation. So that it could be done. Mm-hmm. And, and imagine it with so these two. Bad. It could be done with these two I, as well. Oh, I know. Because, you know, because Sid looks at Bateman as like a sage. Yes, he does. Yeah. And so... You know, you could go on because you have the sage and you have the Padawan. You could go on the hero's journey mm-hmm. with two guys snorting coke in a bathroom. There's a there's a story there, and it's just woeful. And the and, <laughs> and I can't get <laughs> past to use my Chris Phelps word. It is woeful. 
It is. And it's almost, and I think when you talk about this later, it's almost, I, I can't decide. I, I watched it and I just thought, God, this is shit. And I remember watching it years ago and thinking, oh God, this is shit. And yet you chose to do this and say, I got to watch that again. Yeah, I know. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> but after this, I was thinking, is it so clever that it knows it's shit? And it's saying something about the men by showing them. I don't know. I, I don't think it is that clever, but I think actually the better version of this film is the film that knows it's depicting these two as horrible people and they and they need to go on a journey they need to learn something by the end because it, it, there's little moments where it almost offers glimmers of hope like london says to sid like i'm so tired of your pseudo intellectual bullshit during one of their yeah, various yeah. arguments we see them having in in the past and she calls him out. She calls him like a dipshit and like, I, I hate the way you're talking to me and the way you make me feel. And so there's moments where it's acknowledging that he's not a good guy. But then what he doesn't get is a resolution that shows he's learned anything. Because by the end of the film, he gets to sleep with her again and have his perfect goodbye. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, here, so again, you know what like, I like to do? I, you yeah. can make anything into anything. So... Yeah. As I was watching it, I, I want something to be self-aware. I like something that's mm -hmm. self-aware. Um, I, I, until the end, I could give you that it's self-aware. But then it gives you the ending. And this is what I'll say. This is the other Kevin Smith thing. It gives you the mall rats ending, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is bullshit. Right? The ending of mall rats is bullshit. They all get the girls of their dreams. Yeah. Because why would they? Mm -hmm. They they wouldn't. They're terrible. The whole movie. Yeah. Awful. G Jeremy London, another London. His whole <laughs> he's a dipshit. The whole movie. Everybody sucks. And with Brody, he's the, Jason Lee. He's the worst. And yet at the end, they get the girls mm -hmm. back. That is such bullshit. That is totally like white male fantasy. Mm -hmm. I deserve it. I can be a dick to you, but I'm so charming. And it's not like, again, to use Ethan Hawke as the as the person, there's a line in in Reality Bites where Ethan Hawke says, you know, you listen, I can't be reliable for you. I'm going to paraphrase. He's like, I'm going to be mean to you sometimes. I'm not going to call back sometimes. And that's just who I am. Deal with it or don't. This is what it is. Mm -hmm. He never says to her, to Winona's character, like, he's not trying to gaslight here. He's saying out loud, I'm a dick. I'm sure. awful. And you this can is who yeah. I am. I'm depressed. I dropped out of school. I'm a borderline alcoholic. My dad just died. I feel lost in sea. All I want to do is be in a band. And she's like, if you want to be in a band, be in a goddamn band. And, and that's the argument that he has. And he's like, but I'm an asshole. He <laughs> says it out loud, right? He's totally self-aware. So at the end of, of Reality Bites, they end up together, but she's her eyes are open and his eyes are open. Mm -hmm. They know this is going to be rocky. And we don't think that in the sequel to Reality Bites, they're together. Sure. They are not. That's like another Ethan Hawke. It, right. It is another Series Ethan Hawke. But again, it's, yeah. it is. I'm a big fan, as you know. I'm an yeah. apologist, even. But No, you don't need to apologize for Ethan Hawke. Not at all. He's so great. But the, but the thing about that film, and again, Ben Stiller was there script doctoring that mm -hmm. over the top of it as he was directing that film. So he fixed, he fixed, I'm sure, in the original draft, 
you know, he yeah. probably he was it was this male fantasy ending as opposed to like, oh, it's an ugly ending. It's unsure. They're broke. She's in debt. She's put all that money on her credit card. It's called Reality Bites. It mm -hmm. tells you how it's going to end. So but, but this is I think when I see this, I got to the ending. So I'm with you thinking about it being self-reverential and being like, oh, this is something. There is mm. something. And then the Bateman thing and his whole stuff. I'm like, oh, well, because I'm convinced. Mm. Having just recently reread American Psycho. None of it's real. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. None of American Psycho is real. None of the murders, none of the assaults, none of nothing is real. He's Patrick Bateman is an unwell person mm -hmm. living in a fantasy. It, I feel like it's catcher in the rye. Like, the whole thing of, of American Psycho is Patrick Bateman is in a mental institution and this is what's happening in his head. None of this is real. Sure. And there's a lot of there's a lot of hints in the book and in the film, I mm. think, that lets you lead you to believe that none of it is real. So you name him Bateman mm. almost to be so clever by half to say, OK, he's not real. Like all his story is all bullshit and everything. Mm. But then again, at the end, he gets to hook up with the hot woman Mallory, and yeah up. yeah and somehow Mallory is going to save him like he can't get it up and his whole thing is he's impotent and this mm. is his whole imp literal impotent rage yeah can't. Yeah, yeah, can't. Yeah. Oh yeah can't oh my god he just <laughs> and again poor Jason he had to do that but at the end somehow Mallory's going to save him because mm. all he needs is the right woman and it's really that frigid bitch's fault that's what we're being yeah. told oh yeah yeah absolutely yeah because Mallory isn't. Mallory is hot and she wears low rise jeans and she's a bartender and she she's likes funny. an accent and that's enough. And she her. loves an accent. She's, she doesn't you know, mind a wiggy comb over. Oh, God. We have not <laughs> we'll even get talked there. about we'll get the wigs yet. But anyway, so, so I hear everything that you're saying. <laughs> Long winded way to say other movies have done it better, but other movies have done it exactly the same. So yeah. I want to believe you. And I think until the end, if it ends the right way with the two of them alone on the sidewalk. Sure. Then it's the move. Then it's everything. It is, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it, they get their happy ending, and it's bullshit. Yeah, it's just you. You undid everything, like you said. They learned so. Ultimately, they learn nothing. Mm. It's interesting that you you making that comparison to 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 American Psycho. I was there with you. That's yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I was thinking with, yeah. with with the name Bateman, and also obviously for me watching. I've never read the book. For me watching that that movie. Yeah, I prefer Rules of Attraction if I'm honest. As, as a that's story. what you said. Yeah, I haven't gone back and I'm going to reread that. We know that's that's yeah. all calculated. You know, that's a critique of you know male ego and the of fragile course. male psyche, which stuff, is what course. Brett's doing. That's his yeah. whole thing. Yeah. And then you saying about how like Bateman and this, the Stace character, may well be imagined, and actually it's Sid's problem with impotency and stuff. That's really interesting because then, as you were talking, Fight Club jumped into my head. Sure. Like, actually, there's a lot of Plunic in this as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's maybe another influence upon Hunter Richards in his writing and what he was trying to do, which but not as well. Yeah, again, a comparison that does this film and his work no favors. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it could easily be you could easily the Bateman could be a, his his Tyler. Uh, the, this yeah, is who he yeah. wants to be. Yeah. yeah, but then Mallory sees him. Yeah, so therefore so, it can't be real because they're yeah. side by side. I mean, because there is even that moment where they leave. He leaves the bathroom and it's just mal and sid up there for a mm. while and so there is that opportunity to be like oh you're right the influencers are there mm. but they're but you've missed the point yeah and all of it and all of it completely yeah i think um i don't know if you ever watched did you watch californication david Duchovny? 
the show no mm. no but i know of it and he's like a sex addict right isn't that yeah the point of that really show? good yeah. yeah really good show and like a lot of the time he's not a good guy but again as you were saying he like owns it it's completely different in that way with that character but in that show i think it's in season two slight spoiler but no, nothing too bad or i think it's the end of season one he's got writer's block he wrote this book which i think is called like oh what's it called it's called like god is god is bullshit or something like that nice but, now i need it, to see that show I, yeah, yeah i can't remember it's god is something and he, like <laughs> this one book made his name and he's had writer's block ever since and then the course of defense of season one lead him to write a new book what he's been through and he calls it fucking and punching <laughs> you can imagine <laughs> oh my perhaps god where the inspiration for that title came from I wonder. Hmm. Yeah, he's um, he's quite a provocative character and writer. Duchovny is amazing in that show. But the reason that this is, again, a long way around to say, like, really, a film about love and her victims does not fit this movie at all. It should be called Shouting and Snorting and Fucking. That should be the tagline, right? 100%. That's all we get. It's like endless scenes of these people, like, shouting each other, or like Bateman and Sid shouting, or London and Sid shouting. Uh, or yeah, lots of London and Sid shagging. Way wow, that is some creative camera work. And I feel like this is one of those movies where this was definitely made pre-intimacy um, coach. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it it would only knowing I didn't know that that Chris and Jessica were together, but that's some handsome people. So yeah, I mean, imagine their babies. Ooh. Well, she's with Justin, right? She so is. Yeah, not, yeah. But it's not yeah, like yeah. they had. I'm sure their kids are good looking too, mm. but. But what I'm saying is that could be how they got around shooting those scenes if they were really sure. a couple. Because it was like, you're asking a lot of Jessica Biel in this. Well, I mean, that first scene is Oof. really, really uncomfortable. They're like having really passionate, and it looks, you know, it looks yeah. passionate. It looks like a couple having really into each other sex. And then she whispers to him, tell me when you're going to come. And yeah. goes down on him for him to come, not to be yeah. crude, like in her mouth, like porno yeah. style. It was right. really weird. It, it was so weird. It like, didn't what movie fit is it? what was... Yeah, yeah what exactly. It was really... It jolted me because it just... That is not reality. Again, male from the fantasy yeah, bullshit. That's it. And there's yeah, the yeah. blowjob joke in... God, I can't believe I'm going to keep comparing this to Mallrats. But now that you've said <laughs> Kevin Smith, I keep... And again, I think Mallrats... I enjoyed Mallrats fine, but I think it's his weakest mm-hmm. entry for lots of reasons. Um, I think the acting is... There's a lot to like in there, but I think it's his weakest entry... Um, even though it does give us Stan, but of course. but there's the blowjob joke in there, and like mm. Brody's whole thinks the whole reason that Donna, Brenda, I mean whatever her name is in that movie, but there's the guy who walks into her and calls her Brenda. Shannon Doherty's character breaks up with him oh, yeah, is yeah. because he farted while she was giving him head, and mm. there's a whole conversation about that. I'm like, okay, this is this tells you everything you need to know about Brody, what kind of douchebag he is, and so again, but that he's a douchebag. Mm. Right. And that's part of this comedy. This isn't a comedy. This isn't supposed to be played for laughs. It's definitely not supposed to be porn. And again, so weird that that it is. And our sex scenes are uncomfortably long Mm -hmm. in this movie. So it's again, it's like, okay, did you get enough coverage there? I mean, to me, if you're going to shoot a sex, to me, I'm not a filmmaker, but if I were to be a filmmaker and I was going to shoot a sex scene, I would get all the cameras and get enough coverage to do it in one. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. Unless somebody laughs or somebody's cell phone goes off, I don't want to do this more than once. I don't want anybody Nobody to have to does, do it more I than imagine. once. Right. It's cold. Mm-hmm. It's not you're not really having a good time. No. Even if you're a couple, because you know there's a bunch of people watching, you know Jessica Beal clearly has a no nudity policy. So the mm-hmm. camera angles have to be very particular. So she can't really move 
the way that she would probably move. Mm-hmm. But obviously, Chris Evans is seeing it all because she's facing. So it's like such a weird, uncomfortable. And they're so long. Uh-huh. This is like a 60 minute movie. If you cut, if you made the sex scenes <laughs> remotely better and yeah. not so uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's just, yeah, you talk about Because the other scene that jumps out to me is when they're having a big row, aren't they? Yeah. And that's when she's like, oh. I fucking hate you. And then it's hitting and slapping. And then that turns into sex too. It is all these weird, like soft, in this instance, softcore porn type style. Yeah, I, I did not. That's the one where they're out in LA and they're yeah. like at the pool house. Yeah. And they yeah. have the fight, the, the, the fight sex. Yeah. That was on. Unex- I just didn't need what. That is such again male fantasy bullshit. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sorry. It go, you're telling you're telling all of the dude bras who are seeing this. Mm. We're like, you can be mean, you can be an asshole, you can get into a slap fight with your girlfriend, and if she hits you, it means she wants to fuck you. Yeah, it absolutely. Yeah, does not. Mm. And I know that the way that that ends, and this is where you saying maybe it's a little self referential and aware of itself, because at the end of the bang, the hate bang, mm. she's mad and storms off. Yeah. She's kind so, of got what she wants, I suppose, in that moment. She right. drives the sex, doesn't she? She does, but she's still pissed when she leaves. So yeah, it's like, yeah. But again, he still got to bang Jessica Biel. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And if that's all you're looking for, because he's not, there's no love in this movie. No, no, no. This isn't, his. nobody's heart's really broken. Stasis no, he wants her to be his. That's all it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's possession. It is possession, because all he cares about is the size of the other bloke's dick that gets brought up. He's got a massive penis oh, about the size of her good. new boyfriend's penis. And the fact that she's going to be with somebody else and he wants her back. That's all it is. Yeah. And again, I it, I am not a jealous person. Lee and I always talk about how we think jealousy is probably a gene thing, mm. genetic thing. And and I could be wrong, but like my first wife, um, my children's Emma and Rachel's mother was a big she was jealous about everything always always mm. no matter where you were or who you were talking to she'd be like if I was talking to my cousin and he and I would be laughing she'd get mad about that like she could be jealous about anything mm. that was just in her DNA my opinion but I'm not that way so if she went out and she was like oh I'm gonna go out and blah 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 and we're gonna go do I'm like okay have fun and then she'd get home and I would be like how, how was your day and she'd be like blah tell me and then Oh, this happened and this happened. And then I, I wouldn't like give her the third degree. And her argument was, if you're not jealous, you don't care. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so weird. And, and Lee's first, first spouse, he was overly jealous and overly paranoid or whatever. And we're just not that way. We're not mm. competitive. We're not jealous. It's like, look, I'm with you. I'm going to trust you to do, to mm. be with me. And if you don't want to be with me, I would trust you to tell me that you don't want to be. So I don't need to worry that you're going to cheat on me or do anything because you're not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And may you know, and that's just how we are with each other, and it just yeah. makes life easy. You know, you're gonna. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense. Jealousy doesn't make any sense. But again, in this movie, what we're being told is being a jealous prick is an okay thing to do, and it's his way of showing love. Mm. And it and it works because London keeps falling for it. She does. It's like, well, he's so passionate. <laughs> no, he's just a prick. It starts yeah. with him smashing his own house. It does. Yeah. And Isla Fisher, her character is Rebecca, isn't it? She calls him out for it. She does. Like she tells London, like, this guy's no good for you. Get rid of him. Like, don't let him be around you again. So, again, it's like these moments where the film kind of hints at you it's going to do something. And then 
yeah, it fails. It's such a shame. It fails miserably. Yeah. It's so disappointing. It's the type of people I think is problematic as well. Uh, I've, I'll try and word this carefully. You know, they're all clearly very financially secure, looking mm-hmm. at where they live. Like Chris Evans's character can afford to buy a lot of Coke and have a nice apartment, like loft yeah. apartment, and can smash it up and not care. Like Isla Fisher's parents are obviously very successful. Looking at that apartment that London and and Sidorini, even if it's like on a holiday or whatever, that's a very nice it's holiday. Really nice place. Yeah, yeah. It, I I always find this kind of character in this kind of movie difficult to sympathize with because they have so many other things. And money isn't the be on end all. I mean, I changed my career over 10 years ago to become a teacher and I lost a lot of money in the process of doing of that because <laughs> I needed more in my life than money. Like I, I'm not motivated by money personally. So it's not like I'm jealous of that. Right. to jealousy but it it's like i don't know if you have i don't know what your equivalent of the shows over there is like we have something called made in chelsea which is all about like chelsea is an affluent area of london and it's all about the kind of kids of rich people and they get to just oh, float around in their life like and i suppose yeah but this is like yeah. one of those faux reality shows where like oh, oh yeah be... we had something i think it was called the oc which was like but even about... that's scripted isn't it oh I is suppose... it okay i, I got this, this is meant to be real but it's clearly not. I mean, it's all scripted. Oh, okay. So it's all... like that Real Housewives. Of yeah, that kind of thing. I gotcha. Suppose. Okay. Yeah. Chris and Dave could tell us the name of all the real. I'm sure, sure that show exists. And, and and this is those sort of people. Like yeah. you have so much privilege in your life that you can afford to get this upset about something that is not that big of a deal. Yeah. I mean, what's Sid's job? I don't know. Like, what does he do? Like, how's he got all this money? He doesn't seem to go to work. He's, they say he's been what is it a few months they've been broken up and he's been mm-hmm. in a spiral ever since so is his parents just paying for this or yeah i don't know i just find these kind of insufferable privileged people really hard to watch on screen <laughs> it's true and the person and and if you're going to talk about privilege um the the one person of color we meet is the only one who has a job a job mm. job like a hard job like Anybody who's worked in customer service knows that it sucks. It's hard. And then to be a young, very attractive woman as a bartender, Mm. your whole job all day is telling people, right, I'm being nice to you because it's my job. Yeah. My wife is a librarian and librarians are nice people. They smile Mm. and talk to you. The librarians and the staff, the librarians, the clerks, the people you meet when you come into the library who say hello and smile at you. And the hostess at the restaurant, she may be Mm. very pretty, but you know what her job is, is to smile at you and say, hello, how are you doing today? Nice to see you. May I see you? (laughs) She's not wanting to bang you in the bathroom, you asshole. So- the one person of color, the one person really of color, I mean, there's some background characters mm. of color in this, is the only person who has a job. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. she's only fallen in with these people because she gives them drinks all day. Yeah. 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 You know, she's the she's the help, but because she's hot, it's okay to be invited to the party, not to work the party. Mm. You know, so you talk about privilege. That was I know she's fourth billing here. She's listed as fourth mm. billing and she gets with the state at the end because she's going to cure his impotence. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mallory is, but it's, it's just so on the nose, like mm. everything that you said. And again, you mentioned, I mean, we talked about Bateman and Brett. There's clearly some of that here, which he's also missed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's missed the point of like, you've less, this out is less for us. Zero. He hasn't written, he hasn't done that on purpose. That's a complete accident. I, I don't think he's written 
I don't think he's written that as a commentary. Do you? No, no, but I'm no, saying yeah, it's like, there. Yeah, right, it's right, there, right, right. but yeah, yeah. you've read into it. He hasn't intended it. I don't think so. Right. Well, no. that was what I was trying to give him that credit. I was like, oh, you call him Bateman. Mm. And he's this psychopath who's got these weird sexual hangups. Yeah, I, but I think he just thinks that's cool. And that's my problem with yeah. American Psycho, man. That's the problem with it, is that yeah. it's not cool. No, it's not cool. And I, Brett Easton Ellis even wrote a book called, I think it's called Lunar Park, where Brett Easton Ellis is the main character in it, and he's being haunted by Patrick Bateman, who looks uh, okay. like... Um, he looks like Christian Bale. Christian Bale, it's genius. Nice. The book is great. It's like this since we spoke about fortunate, you know, like police wearing yeah. Punisher shirts and people thinking, oh. um, what's his name? The main character in the boys, I got Homelander. Yeah, yeah. He's it's, not it's, a hero. It's these people, isn't it? The same ones probably think that Bateman's cool and they think that Sid should get the girl at the end. They they do. Hmm. And they're all wrong. Let's let let's try and find something about the state and let's talk what? maybe see if we find I think we've eviscerated the film, rightly so. Yeah. And I hate that you know I'm not a big fan of that. Like I don't no, like no, to, no. I don't I don't like to even drop a pop of something. I hate if we're doing a theme, it's different. But mm. like if I, I read books that I don't like, like the amount mm-hmm, of books mm-hmm. that I read that I don't pop about because I'm like I didn't like that. So I'm not gonna do four minutes shitting on something mm. unless it's like trigger mm. warning everybody should avoid this book, you know. So but this this is the point of the show and they're all they're all I'm sure they all look back on this movie, everybody who's in it and was like, oof. Yeah. I mean it's not like this misses the market. It like it like misses the the, the target completely. Like it's it, it's not ball, it's not just outside the ball. Do you know what I mean? It's just it's so yeah. far off. It's it's, it's so bad. gone to a different arena. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So yeah, Stath. We spoke about how the actors actually are all putting in a good shift and they're all trying and they're all doing good work, including, I think, Stay. This is a very wordy film for him. Normally his characters are quite stoic mm. and reserved. I think he says eight words in Wrath of Man. Right, yeah. Whereas fantastic. Here, yeah. He has some proper monologues, doesn't he? How do you think yeah. he handled them? I think he handled them pretty well. I think that's probably what made them all want to do the movie. Mm-hmm. They're not, I mean, Chris Evans has, you know, spoken that he, he, you know, he, like he did gifted, he does, you know, he did puncture, like he wants to do not this, like he has all the words in the losers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's having a ball in the yeah. losers, right? He is having a blast saying all the words. Like yeah. I never got to be the Xander. Cause I look like, I look like the <laughs> angel, you know? So like he got to nerd it up and that he's so fun in the losers. And so I am sure that they both were like, yeah, I mean, even in a crappy movie, if you do good work, you can, mm. you can, somebody will pay attention. And so this did show off. Not only will the state wear a wig if you want them to, but that <laughs> he can do, he can say words. And, yeah. you know, because at this point, he is now the state. He is. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, and, and, you know, it's, he does, as you go through this, you'll know. And I know your sisters keep talking about spy, but he definitely, mm knows what he's doing in the spot and spy right he knows why he's in that movie because he's like oh i can be that everybody remember i can act and do i'm not just the state yeah so i get why you want to do it and i get why chris evans wants to do it because chris evans has never wanted to just be captain america mm. you know he's, he's always wanted to do more and so while he's wearing a medium in this the whole time and you're like sorry you don't drink and do that much coke and are that swole sure you would be a little skinny rail. You would yeah. look like Dane Cook looks in this movie. <laughs> yeah. um, we can talk about like him in a minute if you want. Yeah, sure. I mean, he's fine. He He's playing Dane Cook. Sure. I mean, I mean he's he's not doing anything. He's no. a bad actor. Totally unnecessary. He he got put into movies because that was that stretch where they're like, we can get stand-up comics. They all start sure. acting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. 
Mitch Hedberg was a stand-up comic. Uh, and he used to joke where they were like, hey, man, you're a stand-up comic. So do you act? You know, and he's like, that's like saying, hey, man, you're a chef. Do you farm? Yeah. Do you, <laughs> like, I don't I don't understand the two things are in the same. And then he did go on and like showed up on that 70s show for, for a bit. But he... Because of course that's the they just wrote the role for him mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. show up and be Mitch Hedberg. Hey man, but there was this stretch where if you were a stand-up comic, you got to act. Mm-hmm. And Tane Cook never got the memo, and it actually hurt, kind of hurt his overall career, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but anyway, going back to Stath, sorry, I think Stath owns it. I think he gives the monologues. He even these terrible lines, he reads them with passion. Mm. And so in a shitty movie, it's amazing to have the four leads give really good performances. Cause I think the joy does a really good job as Mallory. Mm. Um navigating that world and like playing it aloof. And of course again the male fantasy at the end. But I think the four leads are all good. And like you said, the supporting characters give it their all. Um but you know so Stath, I think it was a, it was like on his sizzle reel. He's yeah. like, hey, here's what I look like with hair. Let's choose um, to not do that again. Yeah. And here's what I look like acting. Mm. I mean, he had a busy year in 2005. So this is my second, obviously his 12th movie, but the second one of this year. And I've still got two Grand more Sporter to go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we, Revolver and Chaos are all within the same year. So wow. we know that within the year or two before that was when he was obviously filming. Because we know post-production, right. depending on the film, takes a bit of time. And when they decide to release it, but so he was really busy around this period. But you're right, he was of the state, and this feels like the well, this and Revolver really. I know that's Guy Ritchie, but they're they're two films where he gets to talk and do something a bit different and play a different. Those are back before. to back. Revolver's next. Yeah, yay, beat go me. Um, ah, before... <laughs> who's doing that one with you, Chris? Chris, I've not seen Revolver in a long time. It's nowhere near as bad as this, I can tell you that. Okay, well, what could be? Good point, good point. Very, very little. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I think I think he owns a role. I buy him as Bateman. Sure. I, I, I think he he does put away the state, and he does become Bateman. I think in yeah. his two oh. big monologues when he's talking about the sex club and his mm-hmm. impotency, I, I believe in what he's saying. I believe in those lines. The, the Ben Kingsley sexy beast, you can't pulls me out a little bit it doesn't feel it feels like they're getting him to do that because he's doing his cockney so like oh yeah you could do that can't you it doesn't quite fit in the moment there's no more of that in the rest of the movie i think that right there's a couple a of those moments where it's like like you talked about with jessica beale's moment in the first sex scene you're like yeah what, what's happening yeah what movie is this but other than that yeah i think he's good i mean it's nice to oh, hear him being i'm going to say native accent but it's what his affected native accent it's nice to hear that. Nice to hear Isla Fisher being Australian too. I know. It's always cool when I was watching the behind the thing, behind the scenes thing on Fringe you sent me to hear both mm. the two of them speak in their normal accent. It was John like, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I think Australians always have to do the hardest work because there's so yeah. few calls for Australians. That's where that's why I like Rebel Wilson. She's like, fuck it. I can't <laughs> do other accents. This is I'm always just gonna be Australian in all my movies. And and in the one, the the fake romantic comedy one. Where she's got one of the Helmsworths in it, and at the whole beginning of the movie, he's doing his normal, you know, handsome. I've got this great American accent, mm-hmm. and then in the fantasy world, he's Australian. She's like, oh, okay. "Wait, why are you talking with an Australian accent?" He's like, "Because I'm Australian." She's like, "Are you? Is that allowed?" <laughs> like, there's a whole commentary. Like, is there's two Australians in one movie, and we're allowed to talk nice. this way? Yeah, it's it is. Yeah, it is nice to just let. She's and Isla Fisher's a really good actor. Yeah, great. She, she has some monologues too. I think. 
you could, if you were trying out for an acting class and you were like trying to be, I am Jackson to Tit Rage and you wanted to go, you would mm-hmm. take Stace thing. And Stace gets it. He gets the part, man. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I agree. He's really good in this. It's acting crazy. class is a great shout. That is what this is. This is, t- yeah, yeah. Perhaps that's where this has come from, actually. <laughs> they did some improv acting class and they came up with this moment. Ooh, quick, I've got to write this down. Write it down. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's just such a shame, isn't it? I mean, we've referred to it all the way throughout. The wig is... Oh, and Chris's wig, too. And they put Jessica in a lot of hair. It's bad. So the Stace wig is really awful. All people need to do is hit Google, go online to be like, see the uh, poster. It is so bad, isn't it? It's like a weird comb over. It's the sort of thing I I remember, like, my teachers having in the 80s. Right, a wig with a comb over. (laughs) What are we doing? What are you going to give them hair? Uh, yeah, and he's going home with Mallory with that hair. No chance. No chance. Um, it doesn't matter how sweet your accent is. I mean, no. the bald him has a way better chance with Mallory. Absolutely. The yeah, Chris yeah. Evans one is weird because I thought for the longest time it was one of those caps with a wig attached. Looked like that, didn't it? Didn't it? Because then he takes yeah. it off and then he's got still got kind of wiggy hair. It's really bad. Yeah, I mean, it's not... And I understand that you're doing other things and I didn't look to see what else Chris was doing at the time. And I mm. get you where, and he, you know, his looks more like his hair. I've seen him yeah. with hair, but that hair, and again, you know, people dye their hair for movies and Jessica mm-hmm. Beale has a lot of hair going on, different hairstyles going on in this. So I get it because you're doing time. So you wear the wig to deal with time, but here's the thought I got it. I don't know. Don't shoot it in order. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, what I think you do is you shoot, you have Chris grow his hair. You shoot those scenes, the, the coked up scenes, and then you cut it a little and you go back in time and then you mm. cut it more and you go back. So you can do it in three shot, three shooting series with different trimming your haircuts instead of whatever this is. It's yeah. so bad. I mean, it's like Hen- Henry and his mustache. Oh yeah. 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 It really is. What yeah. are we doing? It's, it's, and again, with women's women in wigs, it's, you're used to seeing it more. So you're not, mm-hmm. and we're not women who wear wigs. So we could be easily fooled. Like sometimes I'm like, oh, that is a wig. I didn't, I didn't know that wasn't your hair. Mm-hmm. I just thought that you did that to your hair. And you're like, oh, you didn't. That was extensions or whatever. So it doesn't look as bad on Jessica. But I also wonder how much she just is like, I'm just going to do it myself. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I think- <laughs> Let me take care of it. <laughs> yeah, I think the issue with the state is that even when he had hair, there wasn't a lot going on there. And Rhea and I joke in the cellular episode about the yeah. fact that he's described as having his close-cropped hair by Kim Bassinger's character. Very polite yeah. of her to say that. Very, very thoughtful about her kidnapper to, <laughs> to not call him out for being bald or right. you know, being receding. Um, so, yeah, it, it, just, it just really stands out, doesn't it? It'd be like Patrick Stewart suddenly turning up in an episode of Next Gen wearing a wig. You'd be like, hang on. No, 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 yeah. no, no. Right. You, you're bald. You're, you are bald. You're like that's who you are yeah it's awful it's so distracting because it's not good it's not a good wig it's fine to put him in a wig Mm. that happens actors wear wigs and they do you know you but again this is a low budget film so why did you think that's the money where you're spending your money hair and makeup matter there's a reason they win awards they did not for this (laughs) no it was another chance this could have been another chance for commentary as well you you have the the character no. Yes, you have the character wearing a wig because it's about him hiding who he really is. It's exactly. That comes off. It's, it would have been awesome. It's another moment they could have had 
where he yeah like we say like he's he's trying to disguise who he is and he's finally past his impotent rage so yeah he throws the wig like a mortarboard at the at yeah. graduation of the bit but no it was just a bad wig and it was a bad wig and it, yeah <laughs> and again and you're giving you're 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 giving it credit for saying oh it could be yes you, it's supposed to be a bad wig on purpose but if it, this movie isn't subtle enough to leave that there no. for us to be like, oh, it was a bad wig on purpose. Ha ha. It's not like um, True Grit, where the reason everybody sounds the same is because it's being told from the perspective of a 14-year-old girl mm-hmm. who's very mm-hmm. well read. So that's why Rooster Cogburn sounds like that. It's not because he sounds like that. It's because Maddie sure. Ross thinks he sounds like that. Yeah. That's why that is such a brilliant book. And the movie is, and the one with Haley is fucking perfect. Mm. Because they, like, Jeff Bridges knew the assignment. He's like, oh, I have to talk like a 14-year-old girl thinks I talk. (laughs) You know? So it's on the nose. It doesn't have to be commented on. Mm -hmm. Because we get the voiceover at the beginning and the end of that movie. And in the book, it's all told in her perspective. So you get it. There's no breadcrumbs here. No. To let you know that this is aware of itself, that the wig is everything. You gave it so much credit. Well, we've both been doing that all through this. It's true. It's because we respect these actors. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we, I think, you know, I'm particularly being hard on, on the director. I think you're much politer about how you're coming at, <laughs> coming at this at the writer director. But it's bad. Yeah. If I could find things to, to say, I, I'd love to do that, do that too. But I think... Yeah, we're we're trying to give it credit and we're trying to find things to be interesting discussion points where I think we're, we're, we're doing all the work. We're bringing it to something that wasn't originally Which there. Which is what we do anyway, though. I mean, that's part of, that's the joy of art is that you mm. give it, is that you find something there. I mean, we watched it all. Like mm-hmm. if I wasn't for this assignment, I would have stopped. Sure, absolutely, yeah. So thank you for calling it an assignment. <laughs> Well, it is. And this is Death Race is a pleasure. Yeah. I mean, I can't wait for Death Race. I mean, Joan Allen's in that movie too. I don't even understand how that ha- I don't understand how that movie got made in a mm. different way that I don't understand how this movie got made. They're like, you know what we should do? Let's remake Corman's Fever Dream. Okay, let's get Statham. Okay. Mm. <laughs> okay. I'm in. And then it spun off into the fake state Jason Statham Death Race universe too, which we'll talk about in a little while. So well, I you, understand. you know what I'm gonna end up doing after we watch Death Watch them all. Yeah. They're bad. <laughs> Luke Goss is no Jason Statham. He's fine, but he's not, yeah. I just don't get this film, but it's fine. I, I'm I honestly am glad I saw it because I'll always have seen it now. And and I do think you can always find something. Yeah. Um if, if if we gave it more credit than it deserved than it earned, but you made art. It was more movies than we've made. Absolutely, yeah. So you always have seen it once. Once. You've seen it twice. One and done. Yeah. And but say, you know, if it wasn't for this project, it would have been one and done. Absolutely. And yeah. I think for Glenn, it sounds like he's one and done. Too. Yeah, let's hear. You've got I yeah, would love to hear I? what Glenn has to say, please. So he said, Oh, so so Jack, I should have listened to your warnings. I've just watched London. It's possibly the worst movie I've ever seen. It's channeling Chris here. I love it. Chris Phelps, yeah. Um, It starts like The Secret Life of Pets and has the worst ending of any movie ever. I I haven't seen The Secret Life of Pets, but I'm sure it doesn't start with a a sex scene and a blowjob, but maybe. Um, (laughs) I mean, I hope not. That's a children's film. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. And he said, it just doesn't seem to have a genre. It's just shit. 
Although I do think the space acting was top during the impotence scene, which, you know. Totally true. Um, and I said, yeah, I've got to agree with all of this. It's pretentious and rapid whilst believing it's talking big questions and big thoughts. The acting is decent, but there's only so much you can do with dialogue that overwrought and overwritten. So all these things we've said. And I called it toxic masculinity, the movie. So true. And then we had some more backwards and forwards. But um, Oh, thanks, Glenn. You are a trooper, man. Yeah, and I just—I mean, essentially, that's what I'm saying. I was like, I'm so grateful for you to listening, one, two, watching along, and I'm so sorry that you've uh, watched London. And then he messaged me a couple of days later and said, "Oh, now I'm watching 13." And you might have a new worst movie ever. 13. Oh, I don't think I've watched 13 ever. I thought I had, and then when we had a brief conversation about it, I think I was getting it mixed up with 21, which is the Jim Sturgis. Movie. oh yeah yeah that's the that's the card one the yeah card counting one yeah so i've I seen that 13 was i don't think i've seen 13 either actually so that is a now... cast though yeah wow so huh. we'll, get, we'll, we'll get there wow okay we have to get there obviously yeah but yeah i think glenn might have found an, an equal worst best film ever according nice. to nice well, messages there fantastic well i'm definitely going to give it a go i'll give it a try yeah Got to, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. Any other thoughts on London that you feel like you need to share? I mean, I think everybody should avoid it. But again, if you are trying out for um, an acting class, if you're mm. trying for an off-off-Broadway show, like off-off-Broadway, like Cleveland, and you need a good <laughs> audition piece for an angry, impotent band, I would say do it. Channel the state and do it. Sure. Um, that is what I have to say about that. All right. So before we get your yes. totally surprising rating... But she, yeah. ooh, Letterboxd. I wonder. Yeah. Should have a little, uh, a little read of what we've got on Letterboxd. Okay. So IB Floria says London, aka Chris Evans and Jason Statham with hairdos. <laughs> no, no, with, with sorry, I've totally butchered it. Sorry, IB Floria, London, aka Chris Evans and Jason Statham with hair, do copious amounts of cocaine while philosophizing about religion, Van Gogh and BDSM in between Statham screaming about impotence and Evans mourning the loss of sexy times with Jessica Biel. With a plot description that wild, it's unforgivable this movie ended up not only absurd, but interminably dull. <laughs> so, well, well said. Well IP. said, sir. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you tag these people when you put the shows out? I don't, because only because the letterbox tag is not it's not like a Twitter tag. Oh, okay. Obviously, gotcha. I've I've got my Amjax meetings, which is my complete right. Yeah. Online, but it, but I could put my letterbox profile name as anything I wanted, so it wouldn't mm. necessarily link. So it wouldn't hard. be the same person. I got you. Okay. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. Was an excellent review. All the was. ones you read are all very good. Yeah. Yeah. It is. So, but you know, hopefully one day these people will hear it and will appreciate the fact that I wanted to share their lovely words yeah. with yeah. our listenership. Mag says, "No idea what this movie is about." But it's nice that Isla Fisher was allowed to be Australian for once. <laughs> it is. Also, and this is the most important takeaway, Jason Statham was not meant to have hair. No, certainly not hair like this. Uh-uh. Is that why he went into diving? Because he had to shave anyway? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Is that what it was? Maybe, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cecily says, I thought this was bad at first. But then Jason Statham and Chris Evans were screaming at each other and talking about dicks and their ex-lovers. And I wish that was the entire film. Three <laughs> stars for them and their bathroom confession time. That is the highest rated review I found. Three wow. stars is very generous. Because there's, there's only four, right? Or is there five? 
five yeah yeah there is five okay wow but even in its celebration it's quite critical yeah jennifer in this movie jason statham has more lines more emotion and you know what's coming next more hair hair than in all his other movies combined chris evans is playing that annoying guy everyone knows who took a class once and and forever after spouts off bullshit he thinks is intellectual he even has all the generic tattoos you'd expect from such a self-important idiot also this is not an action movie there's a fight scene that lasts like a minute i know it has jason statham but that doesn't make this an action movie this is a breakup movie with lots of yelling and drugs and for some reason jessica bill gets undressed a lot i mean we know that's the it why hunter we Richard wanted to see her without any clothes on and he did he did and then of course lou lou shoemaker a mediocre drama that reteams jason statham and chris evans london does the unthinkable it makes jason statham uncool i didn't know it was possible but just look at him and then he blinks to the still of him with the yeah, yeah. yeah. and it doesn't help that his character only exists to give long monologues about his disgusting and humiliating sexual fetishes wow it's so bad yeah i mean when i was researching it there is very little on the internet about the film unsurprisingly i literally couldn't find what the budget was it's just not out there did you <laughs> see how nobody much it... wants to know no did you see how much you made at the box office uh, let's see if I can find it. Mm-hmm. I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. Um, wow. Uh, well, this says the budget is 14,000 pounds. Oh, okay. You found a budget. All right. Yeah. And it grossed $20,000. So that's about breaking even. Yeah. So <laughs> overall, like worldwide box office, the figure I've got is 200,361. Wow. So. Yeah, I mean, I guess if it only costs 14 grand, I find that very hard to believe. Yeah, I mean, unless everybody owed Hunter, unless he had nudie pictures of them they didn't want released, yeah, I right. don't understand. It's like that movie 41. I don't know how they got the cast for that. They must have had serious information on all those actors. Yeah, 14,000 sounds... Fake. Fake to me. Yeah, yeah. You can't get these actors in for 14,000 and make the film. And yeah. make the film. Just the no. film alone. I mean, I know this is shot at probably... Well, 2005, were they shooting on digital by 2005? I wouldn't have thought so, no. I wouldn't either. Not and this the, level of filmmaking, because it still would have been really expensive. Yeah, even. and Sam, this is a Samuel Goldman production. They decided to release this film. Mm. I do not understand. I so, mean, like, yeah. here's the thing, you know, like they killed Batgirl as a tax write-off. Is that mm. what this is? They're like... Let's uh, lose okay. money. Let's make a shit movie yeah. so we can have a ta- let's give this kid we found the script. It's terrible. We'll spend all this money. And maybe so maybe it's fourteen million, but it mm-hmm. looks like it, it comes up as you know, fourteen thousand on my on right. IMDb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But maybe it was fourteen million pounds, so twenty million dollars. Yeah. So maybe if you were just trying to lose money, yeah. Like the producers. Sure. Yeah. Like that could be this. Let's just give it that's what <laughs> this was. <laughs> so yeah, in terms of his Oh. I mean, not, not the box office is um, the be one end all, but you know, Transporter 2 made near enough 90 million, Cellular made ne- nearly 60, Collateral, which I know is not really his film, that may be Buck's Italian job. He's definitely a key feature of that. That made 176. Even the first Transporter, 40, 44 million. So, on a really shoestring budget, too. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. For, for what it is. So, 200,000. Yeah. 
Yeah, safe to say this was a no. It's got to be his biggest flop. It's got to be. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. And there's you know there's a few that don't do well down the line, but this is this was an experiment that yeah didn't go the way he wanted it to. I wouldn't have thought. Or I don't know. I have no idea. But yeah, this is clearly a uh, for uh, what's the ratings? I I don't want to say the words wrong. So classic worth catching. Oh, completest only, completest <laughs> only. You and me and Glenn and everyone else should never see it ever. Yeah. I believe your sister's already seen it though. So she knows. She knows. Um, yeah. It's, it's fucking terrible. <laughs> That's my final word on it. It is really, really terrible. Like the tags, my favorite thing, like, I don't know if you ever on IMDB, they do tags. Mm. So here's the tags, the, the, fop, the top five tags, female rear nudity, bare butt talking about sex, paying for sex, and fetish sex. Those are the top five tags. Okay. So we know who this one's for, don't we? And it's yep. not you and me. Not you and me. And this says, one man's incredible journey of self-discovery is the oh, tagline on IMDb. Really? I don't think you saw this film. No. What does he discover? That he's an asshole. Yep. This does no, say he they doesn't, were, sadly. He doesn't discover anything. This does say <laughs> they were together for two years, Chris yeah. and Jessica. So I think that's the only way you can get away with shooting those scenes. Mm. Because they're Makes perfect sense. Ugh, this is so bad. Sony Pictures, unbelievable. But I tell you what, a terrible, what, 90-ish minute film has resulted in a very enjoyable hour-long chat with you. So yeah, I, I think, I, I appreciate it too. Yep, I think us talking about it, like us Stadler and Waldorfing this film was definitely <laughs> better than the film. But I, I think sometimes, sometimes that's just true, right? I mean, the Mystery Science Theater 3000 version of things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is often better, like... um. I just watched a movie that I'm going to try to dare Dan to watch. Mm. It's just so bad, but I saw it on Rift Tracks. And so it's so good on Rift Tracks. I was like, oh my God, I love this film on Rift Tracks. And uh, the Cool as Ice, the Vanilla Ice movie. Sure. Which I think you watched because they watched it on VHS Strikes Back. I didn't because that was that was pre-me watching along with where sure. they were. Yeah. Well, I would say if you're ever going to watch Cool as Ice, the mm. only way to watch it is the Rift Tracks version. Okay. So you're watching the movie and you don't, you know, not like Mr. Science Theater, you don't see him down there. But, but it's like, the three of them. They're, they're just the talking top. over it. Mm. It is almost a perfect film with them narrating yeah. over the top. <laughs> nice. I think that might be an, ex- I would rewatch this mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. If we did a, if we rewatched it, we did a live stream, and people walked, we talked over the top of it. That yeah. would be the only way this. Yeah. Would be <laughs> okay, maybe we'll do that as like a an end of filmography. Yeah, yeah. Bonus so wh- treat the, for everyone. The listener, your listeners want to know, mm. um, what will happen when you move on to the next one? But Stath is going to keep making movies. Will there be a bonus back to the filmography? So when you finish Stath's mm. filmography. Mm. And then you're moved on to film back to the filmography season two, but then Stath drops another movie because he's got like 47 in his pipeline. Will you then do a bonus episode oh, of definitely. back to the and you'll just keep going like that? Yeah. So okay. just I drop, just want to make them, sure drop them in like off schedule, but as you said, like as a bonus one because I want to keep pace with what he's doing and see how his career continues to develop. Yeah. Okay, I just want to make sure that that the, the people are clamoring. Yeah. <laughs> all, all those people, Tony. Me. All those I person, wanted to Tony. Know. Yep. Yeah, all those person. <laughs> all that person, me. Yes. Well, thank you for this. This was oh, a joy. But I definitely seriously. think maybe down the line, this would be a fun Absolutely. Um, watch, yeah, that's a great watch along to Shana. I did it when I taught um, Scarlet Letter once for American Lit. I promised them that if they were good throughout the semester, at the end, the last day of class, we would watch the terrible Gary Oldman 
Um, Demi Moore? Demi Moore. Mm. One where Dimsdale lives at the end. The fuck? <laughs> I said, we, we would watch that on the last day of class and we would uh, just talk. Right. So just they were good watch. and we did. It was so fun. Nice. That movie's awful. I mean, those two are amazing. Mm-hmm. And that movie's terrible. That's another one of those ones where you're like, oh, how did this get made? I don't understand. <laughs> so, so that would be the only way to ever rewatch this. If you were going to watch it with a group of friends, maybe with cocktails, talking over the top of it. Maybe you could even do a drinking game, take I a drink every time they it. do a bump. Oh, my God. Yeah. All right. We'll keep that in mind. Keep I'll, that in mind. I'll that be working on hardening my bladder. Not bladder. Hardening my uh, not bladder <laughs> as well, actually. To be yeah, very, yeah, yeah. And your liver and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I cannot. Well, I cannot thank you enough. It was fun. For me, this is easily the worst so far. And, you know, somebody had to take it. So I really appreciate it. Um, So we are due out. Just thinking about what what we can promote. We are due out on the 26th of September. So what? Just under three weeks away. What have you got coming up? I've got, um, there'll be a show on Thursday, this Thursday, that is um, help. I interviewed two guys um, who have a new comic coming out. Um, it's about office politics at a sex toy company. Mm-hmm. It's called Aerotech, and that comes out this Thursday, the Thursday after this comes out. And uh, so that an is actual a actual product that's self aware. It is so self-aware. It's so <laughs> brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And so there, there's uh, issue two is being kickstarted. And so we talk issue one. And so the Kickstarter comes out, I think, a couple days after this. So that comic is hysterical. Aerotech, it's called. Um, you can go buy it from there. There'll be links in, in that show notes for all their stuff. But that is what's that's the next thing that's coming up is is that um, but I'm really excited. That was a really fun chat with them. And that awesome. comic is hysterical. So mm. yes, it is good to have something be self-aware and know what it's doing. <laughs> Great. Thank you, mate. And thank you everyone else for listening and partaking in this journey with me through the safe filmography. That was London. And as said, next up in a fortnight is Revolver, followed by Chaos, all from 2005. For anyone that is watching along. I've been, I'm Jax Meesings, and that's J-A-C-S. And you can find me on Twitter where I'm most active. You can also contact the show directly on Twitter under the name Back to the Filmog. Make sure you use the hashtag Follow the Filmography. This show has been presented to you by the Pop Grillers, a collection of hive minds who provide spoiler-free reviews of anything from pop culture in less time than it takes to listen to a song. I'm also a proud member of the Comics Emotion family, a super place full of the world's greatest people dedicated to bringing you podcasts on a variety of geeky topics. So please make sure you take the time to search, subscribe, and rate our shows whenever, wherever you listen. Until next time, be excellent to each other and make sure you take the time to treat yourself too. I am Jack signing off. Yippee movie lovers.